This is Liquid Gold. All right, where it's worth the wait to let the desert plants get old. Welcome back to another edition of Liquid Gold right here on We Own This Town, weownthistown.net, the We Own This Town podcast network. This is a podcast about beverages, all the things you put in your glass. This is Agave Month Extended right here on Liquid Gold, where today we're going to talk about the wonderful, mysterious, beautiful world of Sotal the slightly mysterious desert spirit of central Mexico. Really fascinating topic. We have Adam Morgan, the head bartender at Huss Nashville, will be along for the ride today. My name's Mike Wolf, your host today, along with my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, who will be on the line shortly along with Adam Morgan. We have lots of amazing stuff to cover today. We talk a little bit about Zuka, which is a rhubarb amaro. And I wanted to mention what that was because that's something we forgot to do. Uh, So we talk about some cocktails with Zuka. They've got a really amazing cocktail on the menu right now at Husk with Zuka. And just a fascinating spirit. We get into a little bit of that before we talk about the wide world of Sotal. This is a cowboy desert wild spirit from the Dazzlerian genus, the the Dazzlerian plant Sotal comes from which is related to agave it's like a brother or sister of agave it was once thought of as an agave and in the wide world of spirits this is relatively new this has only been recognized for the last 20 years 30 years or so but uh, is really making inroads here into the united states we've been fans of it for a while it's one of our favorite things about agave month because it's really a spirit that shows terroir that can tell you a lot about the terroir of where the plant comes from whether it's uh, up in the forests where there's more rain or whether it is out in the desert where it's drier and it's just fascinating so look forward to our Sotal talk today got to give a shout out to Tennessee Action for Hospitality and Turner Publishing I have compiled a book it's called Lost Spring How We Cocktail Through Crisis and it is an ebook that is available on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble. You can find it at turnerpublishing.com as well as a link to purchase the ebook at weownthistown.net. So check out the book. We've got a recipe from Adam Morgan, our guest today. He's going to read a recipe. And this was a recording he did at the Husk Bar where he reads his recipe. One of the cool things about working with Adam for years, as I did at Husk and, and training Adam, He's come a long way. He's an amazing bartender, super creative. And Adam and I really got along talking about tansy. Tansy was something that I brought to the Husk Garden and we planted and it's still there. And it's really a fascinating herb with a lot of history here in Tennessee because it is how Jack Daniels himself drank his whiskey at the house every day. He would have a little tansy clipped from the garden, throw a little sugar on top of it, muddle that up with some of his whiskey and that's how he drank it which is a far cry from the way any master distiller or any brand head now would say that they drink their whiskey they all say oh i drink it straight you don't need anything with this it's a compelling detail of drinking history in tennessee the tansy plant itself and adam and i would have fun making cocktails with it and he has a drink in the book lost spring where He makes a tansy shrub and he talks about kind of the funky and really crazy aromatic burst that is tansy. So we're going to hear from his recipe. We've got a wild booze news later on where we get into Nick Cage and a fire breathing dragon, Snoop Dogg and his new gin and a whiskey from the Faroe Islands that was crowdsourced, crowdfunded. 
So pretty interesting stuff today here on the episode. We're wrapping up Agave Month, and we are going to get into some cider in September. And we're also going to get into some coffee. We're going to dive a little bit into coffee, which we haven't really done a whole lot here on Liquid Gold. But we might even get into, are we going to do pumpkin spice? I don't know. We'll see. We might get into pumpkin spice as it pertains to persimmon, which grows wild here in Tennessee and really lends itself to these fall spices. So maybe we'll get into that. We'll see. But some definitely some cider talk coming up for September. We've got one more episode of, with the Summer of Shots where we're going to talk about the Cosmo and the Slevopolitan, I believe it is. So we'll get Adam back for that. Talking about Slevovitz, the Blue Plum Brandy, which is great to drink as summer heads to fall and also some history of the Cosmo which ain't going nowhere in terms of uh, being popular. So that's a cocktail that has been uh, super popular for the last about 32 years. Also, I got to mention, if you're hearing this on the day it was released, which is Friday, September 4th, you can head to Greenbrier Distillery, who make the fine Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, also Bellmead Bourbon, among other things. Um, they've got the Luis's Cream Whiskey as well. Uh, but you can go to the shop there for the next few days here as we're getting ready for the the uh, rescheduled Kentucky Derby, which comes up tomorrow, Saturday, September 5th. My One of my drinks in the book, Lost Spring, is a fall mint julep. And over there at Greenbrier, you can pick up a kit, a julep kit, where you can get a bottle of Bellmead bourbon, a nice spiced maple syrup that they made in accordance with the recipe in the book. And I've also uh, sent some of my fresh garden mint to the bar over there so you can pick up that it's my heirloom blue balsam mint which is really it, it lifts your spirits it has a cool wintergreen kind of flavor to it so that is available at the distillery this weekend and i've also got a, a new cocktail column that will be debuting on gardenandhealth.com that is gardenandhealth.com where i'll be doing garden to glass style cocktails there for the next couple months I think running through the, the rest of the year. So eventually we'll get into some hot drinks on there. We'll get into different uh, drinks from Lost Spring as well as Garden to Glass. And some of the drinks that were left out of Garden to Glass, I can uh, cover some of those on this cocktail column. So check that out. And you could probably just Google Mike Wolf Garden and Health cocktail column or go to gardenandhealth.com. All right. Thanks for being along the ride here with Agave Month. We've had a lot of fun. We could have covered a million different things when we covered uh, Racia and Bacanora. I realize those those spirits probably deserve their own episode. So maybe we can do that next summer or next spring, cover those a little bit more in depth. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun. It's something that Kenneth and I uh, look to. It's probably something that's, that's always going to be in our liquor cabinet, be it Mezcal, Sotol, Tequila, Racia, Bacanora. We even got into Sangrita. If you didn't catch that episode, go back to that. A fascinating history of a non-alcoholic tequila companion. Also possibly the key to the pomegranate tequila flavor affinity, which is a bedrock of making cocktails with agave spirits. So check out the old episodes if you haven't uh, been along the ride for the entire agave month. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm going to turn things over to Adam Morgan. This is his drink from Lost Spring called the Tempest of Tansy. Let's hear that recipe, buddy. The Tempest of Tansy combined two ounces of Castle and Key Restoration Gin with 0.75 ounces of fresh squeezed lime juice, 0.75 ounces of a tansy shrub, a pinch of Maldon salt, 
a couple slices of fresh strawberries and two dashes of cardamom bitters. Thoroughly shake, double strain into a rocks glass on some ice. You can garnish this with fresh tansy, dry tansy, or some strawberries. Thanks to Adam for that recipe. Really amazing drink. Look forward to what he's got up his sleeve for the fall drinks at Husk this fall and winter. And here it is, a wide-ranging discussion, everything from rhubarb amaro to unicorn whiskey that they've got at Husk, as well as the wild, delicious world of Sotol and the central desert of Mexico. Let's turn things over to our conversation. All right, and he's on the phone line. They're both on the phone line. We figured out, like old school girlfriends do, how we can do a three-way call. A three-way call. Yeah, it can actually happen. So on the line we have, he is the head bartender at Husk Nashville, along with his co-worker slash enemy. Frenemy. Slash frenemy slash co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. Everybody's on the line. I don't know if you remember. How's it going? We used to work together. Oh, Mike. Yes. This is amazing. Love you guys. This is awesome. Adam, it has been quite a yeah. journey for you here, going from uh, shutting down in a pandemic to reopening to totally changing the way you're doing things. Here we are to keep it topical as, as we have the Booze News Scion himself on the line. I it's am the scion. He is the Scion. <laughs> uh, so with bar and counter service are opening back up in Nashville, restaurants are starting to have people sit at the bar bars are increasing their capacity to 50 people and kid rock i think put another pair of ass cheeks on the building so things are changing a little bit over at husk things are the same yeah over at husk (laughs) nashville uh, you guys aren't quite having guests at the bar so tell me what's going on over there yeah so what we're doing is you know, we've decreased the dining room down by 50%, and we've utilized the tables that were in place and kind of just like spread them out into the bar and taken the actual bar seats out. So instead of having like wrap around of about 13 chairs plus that table at the end, you're going to have um, about three, two top tables spread throughout the bar, lining against the wall, plus that table that's always been there at the very end. 201 is now 204. Well, that's just too weird. What has it been like for you to um, to be back in that space, in that bar, which is kind of a small area, but has typically been um, packed in with all kinds of different people? And we've all had brunch shifts there where there was a ton of people in that little bar area. What has it been like to, for, to go through this totally different period and to work in that space? It's, it's weird. It's it's definitely a change of vibe. Um, I go from like directly interacting with guests to like, you know, making a bunch of cocktails and whipping around the bar and then talking to them, coming back and just kind of like feeling out a new approach to guest interaction. It's, it's, it's a little different, but you know, coming around to it. Yeah. So the guest interaction, is it, is it, uh, are you wearing a mask and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Always wearing a mask. Yep. Yeah, you guys have a pretty intense protocol over there. Can you run down some things for us about uh, all the different protocols that you guys have in place over there? Because it sounds like it's a well-oiled machine. Yeah, um, I gotta give them props for like really handling this thing out and making it as fluid as possible. So like, first thing when you walk in the door, you know, wash your hands, sanitize. 
and you go directly to the manager on duty, they ask you a list of questions of like, you know, have you been in contact with anybody? Have you been like in safe surroundings? I'll do a temperature check. And then usually I'm always like always in gloves just because it's just, I feel like that's appropriate. And nobody's without mask as soon as they step onto the property. And we are doing heavy, constant sanitation and sterilization. We have like essentially like a solution that we wipe down all the tables, this hand sanitizer things, um, chairs, all like any any services that multiple hands come into contact with is like routinely on on the on the hour cleansed and in between each each uh, visit I guess has at a table. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's intense, but it's like once it becomes routine, it's, it's not, you know, washing your hands all the time is like you should already be doing that. And then just taking the extra step to like fully sanitize and sterilize every every inch of the table. It's just so fluid now. How's the garden looking it's over there? Your, oh, man, having those like three months away from without any human touch, it's like thriving. I the bet. insane. Uh she so is insane. Like it's all just really thriving really well. Yeah, because you're not doing like 500 people on a, you know, on a Saturday. You're you're doing much less. So I'm sure you're not having to use as much. That's right. Tell us about a, a fun cocktail that you're making right now in the bar. I know this is so tall. We're gonna get to so tall. What's a cocktail you're making right now? Maybe using something from the garden there, or not? But just a, a cocktail that you're into right now. It's on the list. Right now, like surprisingly, the most popular cocktail is Zuka Amaro based. Wow! So, yeah, so what we're doing that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I know it's great. It's like it outsells the vodka cocktails like seven to one. Um, that's out of control. Yeah. So we're using like um, you know basically like Bloody Mary scraps, like the pulp from like carrots and celery. And then there's like some okra that's grown in the garden that's like not quite up to par for like for plating, you know, for like food service. So I've been like mixing those things together, creating a shrub and, you know, it's split based like mostly Zuka and some Blanco tequila. That, a little bit of the Ancho Reyes Poblano liqueur, lime juice. It's like, it's good for like, it's brunch, dinner. It's, it's low ABV. So it's a, it's a crusher. Sounds like a summer, summer. Maybe a little spicy? Yeah, it's got a little, little bit of spice to it, yeah. It's like, it's all around, just like vegetal. That's great. It's so cool that we still have Zuka around, because there was that scare a while back, um, about five years ago, that they were pulling out of the United States, and they were gone for a while. I couldn't find it anywhere, unless you, like, sat on a shitload of it, and, uh... Now it seems like it's pretty easy to get a hold of again. Fucking love it. Yeah, yeah and crazy story. The first cocktail that went on the list had Zuka in it, which um, it. was the old It was the old bottle of Zuka back before it changed or whatever. And it was like a Manhattan riff called, um, I think it was Mr. Gold's Lost Love. Wow. What, what kind of whiskey did you use? It was Bellmead bourbon. And it was Zuka Amaro, and it was a strawberry shrub that had a tiny bit of balsamic in it. It's a pretty strong oh, yeah. shrub. There, We weren't using right. a whole lot of it. And then it had, like, cinnamon bitters or something like that. But it was just right. a strawberry rhubarb Amaro, or uh, Manhattan, basically. Sounds great. People were drinking so much whiskey that, like, putting a Manhattan on in the middle of May made a ton of sense. <laughs> yeah, there was that time there. Like whiskey was the pair, 
we were all working together, but folks were drinking whiskey throughout their entire meal. I just want whiskey. Yeah, it's, it's definitely shifted here, especially lately. Well, that's pretty cool. Are y'all still, are y'all still holding on to any of those uh, dope whiskey stocks? What are y'all pouring when you are pouring? Uh, I mean, really, we're, we're pouring, you know, all of our single bills. The menu is laid out to be, like, very user-friendly, so it's all, like, it's one piece of paper, two-sided. Like, the front side has cocktails. Right below that are, like, whiskey flights. So, like, those are going very well. Our Weller Bell Pick, the Willow Bell Picks, the Bell Mead 12 Year. That was kind of like a national collaboration. So all of those are doing really well. Yeah, what's, let's so entice some people. Let's entice some people to get back in there. What's a what's a unicorn whiskey that, that is on hand there that, that somebody could come in and have right now that is kind of blowing you away? Well, I will say we do only have about two maybe three pours left of the willet 23 year well we've been slowly going through that stock and we are in, into the last bottle and oh damn at the very bottom of definitely it. one of the best yeah. things i've ever tasted sheesh gonna miss that yeah cameron actually came in and had it uh, a couple of nights ago he's like can you hide this for me i'm like yeah yeah maybe <laughs> can you hide this for me that's when you know you got a unicorn whiskey in, in the bar. Yeah, it is one of the more impressive whiskeys I've ever had in my life. Well, and tell it just us some details. to be a husk. Yeah, tell us some details about that one, somebody. Well, it is, you know, a from what I actually learned from uh, Kenneth is that it is a 23-year-old weeded bourbon. It, from what I, I I remember, it's like 136 proof. Mm-hmm. So it's a monster. Something like that. Yeah. Legend has it that it's. One of the last distillates coming from Ed Foot from the Stissel Weller Distillery. Pretty amazing. It's a weeded variety from the last master distiller at Stissel Weller. Who was a yeah, total distilling like, legend. Distilling legend, yes, Mike. Yeah. You are correct. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about what we're here to talk about other than unicorn whiskey. And that is so tall. We all love so tall. So we extended agave month a little bit because this was once thought of as an agave. Now, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you in is because you're a fan, just like we're a fan, but I know you love it. Uh, So tall, tequila's cousin, tequila's brother, however you want to say it. Um, We've extended agave month a little bit to talk about it. We had to bring you in, even though it's not actually agave, it was classified as agave by a scientist named John Hutchinson back in 1934. It took another 60 years for um, an American PhD student named David Bogler, who conducted DNA tests to reveal it should properly be classed in the Nolanaceae family. The genus is Dazzlerian. It grows wild in desert regions in northern Mexico, and as Kenneth will talk about a little bit later, southern Texas. Also in some parts of uh, New Mexico. But this spirit is like the rugged, beautiful moonshine of northern Mexico, the state of Chihuahua. Yeah, it's just like Kenneth in a bottle. Yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> what uh, What was your first introduction into Sotal, and what do, you, what do you love about it, Adam? I remember, you know, I think it was you and I, we were both introduced to it by Andy Wedge. He was like, dude, you tried this? It's so tall. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you gotta. Yeah. Did yeah, you know we have that. we have an episode Perfect. in the can? I think I think we're gonna air it in September, but our lost episode is like an hour with Andy Wedge. No way. Yeah. 
and he does uh, rap. He does like hip hop artist pairing with wine. It's some, it's some pretty cool stuff. But it was the last time all of us were in the studio together, and it was yeah. m- mid March. It was oh, wow. a little chilly out. Right now it rains every day, and it's hot rain. But I remember that day it was like cold rain. Yeah, we look back on it. It's mid March, and we're hanging out with a dude who just flew in from New York City. <laughs> what the hell were we doing? That's great. I love that. Yeah, we're putting it on the line. Um, <laughs> what stood out to you about so tall? What to what to you makes it kind of in its own world apart from tequila, mezcal, things like that? Well, I think it was you know the initial connection, you know, just like how we're like stimulated in in a sense, much like mezcal, which was like something I was like growing more of an appreciation of, and like this was just kind of adjacent to that, um, and I feel like it was a little bit more. Um, approachable like more accessible like say for like cocktailing that's what drew me to it really Kenneth? i wonder did you ever did you ever do you, you remember seeing these plants when you were growing up i definitely like flushed a lot of those memories out of my mind my family is from navajo reservation but that's more of like on like the border of like western like northwestern uh, new mexico meets arizona so yeah the four corners area man it's gorgeous yeah yeah like maybe like 45 minutes away from there wow yeah page at your suggestion i fucking loved it like that place was amazing so adam you were kind enough to bring us a little so tall delivery you want to tell us about the uh so tall you brought us la higuera yes yeah so the la higuera sorry my pronunciation is terrible i actually have never seen or heard touched this bottle before but i happened to pop by a woodland wine merchant on the way out to east nashville today and it happened to be like the first day that they were open to like customers walking in the door it was it was like perfect timing it's very like detailed and like all the, the processes and the, the details that come along with it it has the the variety of so tall which is uh wheelery so there's actually like about 15 16 different like strains of the Dejanian uh, plant. So um, the, the wheelery is actually the most common used for uh, so tall distilling. You know, it says that the oven type, which is like you know, wood and rock, it's grinded down by hand with an axe. It goes through a couple of distillations here. So it's like a really well thought out, like handcrafted bottle. And it's, it's quite delicious. It's really good. It is much, even though it's hotter. Than a lot of mezcals that I've had, it yeah. it drinks a little lighter. But this stuff's a hundred yeah, proof. Uh, yeah, this one's ninety four proof. Yeah, I always feel like they they drink very dry compared to a lot of mezcals and tequila. Like they well, they really do taste more like a desert atmosphere. It honestly kind of depends, man, because the evergreen itself is you know very rugged. It can grow in different kind of climates, like. You know, it's mostly known for the desert. That's where it kind of picks up, like, you know, that citrusy, like, earthy peppery notes. But also, it's known to grow in, uh, like, forest climates, you know? Yeah. And in here, it's a little bit more rain. So it's a little bit more, like, mentholated. There's, like, some, like, notes of eucalyptus. So, like, there's, like, all these different styles that you can pick from, like, the terroir and the strains. And that's what that's what they say is the, the key um, characteristic of a forest, sort of more highland so tall as opposed to the more desert wide open spaces uh so tall is that eucalyptus yeah it's more like more piney more fresh and i dig that so i i really like the ones that i've tried from that area 
But you know it's a different world when, like, Sotal just sort of comes out of nowhere into Nashville, you know, four years ago or so. And then now, you know, flash forward from that period to last summer, you know, someone was bringing by four Sotals for me to try. It's just like, wow. Yeah. From different areas. And one of the things I think is so fascinating about this plant, also the other agave plants, some of the other ones that we've talked about, is how they take 20 years to mature. And that, you yeah. know, you find this plant out in the middle of the desert and it needs to be between 12, and that's young, uh, to 15 or 20 years old for it to yeah. be able to be turned into so tall. Well, that's a big deal in the context of when we think of like gins, God forbid, vodkas, whiskeys, the grain spirits are all, even like all the fruit spirits, like, like uh, apple brandies, Calvados, uh, they're made from a harvest that one year, yet this is a plant that takes ideally 15 to 20 years to, to mature to the point where you can distill it. Yeah, I mean, not only that, that one plant will yield maybe, you know, one bottle. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever tried or if anyone has told you about the Curados, which is uh, they'll yeah. take so tall. And this is, they'll do this for a after dinner drink or like, you know, it's almost like high desert Mexican Amaro, but they'll take Sotal and infuse it or flavor it with raisins, cinnamon, nuts, different spices, and then strain it off, maybe sweeten it a little bit and sip it after dinner, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a common practice to, to infuse it, to blend it with different different strains. Like, you know, I've heard of some strains that are uh, infused with uh, marijuana and served just like meat. That's incredible. I'll be akin to some of that. Let's put that in a, in a cocktail on the list. Uh, uh, I'm writing it down. <laughs> Adam And promised. then s- Snake Venom. That was another one. So Toleros, who are using um, Rattlesnake Venom, they put a little hunk of snake meat floating in the bottom of the bottles. And this is like a homemade thing. And then uh, they'll put the, the venom into the Sotol because of the healing powers of the venom. Yeah. Yeah, that process, like it's like a third distillation with like the actual meat of the rattlesnake is called pachuga. Yeah, the pachuga. We've covered pachuga. Hell yeah. <laughs> Adam, you've made some really crazy wild delicious cocktails with so tall and you're working on one for the new menu that you're going to have dropping later on why don't you give us a little preview of your your latest so tall masterpiece yeah so what i kind of find so tall is like i like to take more of a martini manhattan approach to it so being in the season we're in you know hibiscus is coming in pretty well right now so what i'll do is like i'll take some hibiscus steep it like tea add a little bit of sweetener something that's not too aggressive because the hibiscus itself is like a very delicate flavor so maybe like agave you know um so i would do instead of doing like a two to one or a one to one i will do two parts tea to one part agave that way it's just like slightly sweet and then say we'll do ounce and a half of so it's so tall i'm using for cocktails is so tall pour siempre that's put on by the uh, the Back Bar Project. They do stuff like Gaffar and Rum Project and um, Bigelet products. Yeah. So, but it's, it's really great for, really approachable for cocktails. So mm-hmm. I'll do like one and a half ounces of that. I'll do one and a half ounces of Koki Americano that I've actually um, enjoyed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some thyme and some oregano from the garden. Cool. Uh, throw that in with a little bit of the hibiscus mixture. 
acid phosphate, sort of kind of like martini with a cucumber and hibiscus. Whoa. Adam, yeah. you're out of control, bro. That that's sounds great. cool. So that's going on your next menu. Yeah, I think in the next day or two. Oh, that's exciting. Kenneth, we got to go. Can Kenneth and I come by and sit in the garden? Yeah, why not? And maybe Can have one that? of those? Yeah, I'll, I'll bring out some chicken wings, too. Damn. That's exciting. See, Kenneth, are you excited? Yeah, I am. Like, <laughs> I'm really proud. Really proud of you, Adam. Learned all from you guys. Now, have you ever had so tall out of a bullhorn, which is apparently a, a, a big deal? I haven't. I have not been lucky enough to do that myself, but have you? I have not. I have not. Um, All right, I we'll edit that, it out. Like, That's going to sound stupid. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm just like, kidding. What were we going to say? Uh, it's like that's actually part of the, the process that the Sotaleros uh, take to, like, check the proof. Instead of, like, using, like, any, like, scientific gadgets, they'll put it into a cow horn and toss it in between another horn and toss it back. And they'll, like, examine, you know, the pearls or the bubbles or whatever to kind of determine the proof of it. So cool. Yeah. Don't you think so, that it's possible, though, that, like, the skill gets passed down, that, you know, you got an old Sotalero showing the new apprentice, you know, what he's doing, and do you think there's a little bit of, like, a secret, like, no, it doesn't really do anything, it just looks really cool? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure that's in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure there's science to it as well. Yeah. Pseudoscience. Well, you know. what we call magic. Yeah, I mean, cow horns are huge for biodynamic farming and all that. I believe it. Anybody got anything else on Sotol? It's actually, Sotol's in danger right now um, from farming. That's the huge difference between it and the agave is the fact that it doesn't clone itself like a lot of cactus. Right, wind pollinated. Cactus process, like, uh, uh, it depends on the wind. And it's a delicious plant for a lot of rodents. And so it takes basically a lot more space because agave farms can just section off agave plants and have their heirs waiting for them. But so tall farming is, it takes a lot more space and it's kind of like semi forage to begin with. Oh, for sure. It's pretty wild, but like. It's all wild harvested, yeah. Yeah. It has to be around other plants for it to grow more. When I was in Texas recently, a guy told me how to tell, like, an agave plant from a sotol plant, kind of just like in the hill country, was because agave plants will have a lot of smaller ones around them, and sotol plants, albeit, like, obviously, like, their leaves are smaller and kind of like small palms they'd be on their own basically they they wouldn't have like a family member around them they yeah just be on their own which does make it tough it's like it's like with corn like you wouldn't grow one corn plant and expect it to do very well because it's wind pollinated yeah so you kind of yeah, need you need a, need a you need a handful plants. of them around yeah yeah along those lines i did find a few stories of people that are where they're really starting to focus on getting those plants planted back in the wild that's a tough thing if you're realizing that something you need is coming in short supply and you've got to go further and further into the wild desert to find it and you're like all right well we'll just plant some more but the tough thing is yeah you're not getting any so tall out of that thing for 15 or 20 years so it's like that thing we talk about that's so fascinating 
the problem, the a lot of the problem with it is the fact that like development is going farther into those areas, and that brings rodents that eat them and lessens their chances of of cross pollination. That's one of the things I think is so cool about agave spirits, spirits of Mexico. It's a little bit different than, or it's like the opposite, basically, of bourbon here, where you take a product. And you age it for so long and you expect it to be perfect after, you know, so, you know, some say four to six years. We would probably say closer to eight to 12 years or 12 to 15 years. And that's just whiskey sitting there doing nothing. And with a lot of these Mexican desert plants and spirits of Mexico, so tall being one of them, it's the plant that has to mature. And it can take a really long time. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Process produced in Chihuahua, Durango, and Coahuila. This is kind of like a 2004 denomination of origin that's been in place, Mexico. I think like something like 72 countries like recognize it, except for the United States. Must be a Trump yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, there there are some like um, distilleries popping up in Texas right now. It's like putting into the mainstream. Yep. Using like strains called Texanum. Fascinating. Another thing I thought was pretty crazy about the history of Sotal is... How illicit of an activity it was back in the 20s and 30s. Places that were making so tall would get hit with violent attacks. They'd take, basically, take like Tommy guns, it sounds like. They would do like uh, old like school the... gangster, like Tommy gun attacks, like shooting up these old distilleries. And a yeah, lot of these people went like to jail. A heavy, a heavy thing as far as like, uh, it was considered kind of like moonshining. For yeah. sure. Um, Simply because, like, uh, the class system, a lot of, like, debutantes and aristocrats in Mexico and the southern United States preferred to drink, like, old-world-style booze and frowned upon, like, local products forever. Yeah, they were running, like, smear campaigns on it around Prohibition time saying, like, it was just, like, the drink of the poor and how it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, for, like, debutantes. So they're, but, they're but it was, in fact, an indigenous spirit and... And it took till like I feel like two thousands or something before it actually. You guys know anything about that? It was like the two thousands before I even heard of Sotol, and another ten, fifteen years before I actually drank it. Yeah, it wasn't until the nineteen nineties that the first permits were issued for the legal production of Sotol. That's bizarre. Hundreds and hundreds of years after it was first drank. Yeah, I mean it was used for like you know for like food, clothes, shelter, medicine, tools, you know. Everything it was, it was it was everything to like the indigenous people. Wow, I wonder if they even know it's a sustainable product yet, or are all these companies just harvesting it? Like, it might become a rare commodity. I think. Well, there aren't that possibly. many big companies involved with Sotal that I could find. I mean, most of them are really really small operations. Like, I found one yeah. where this guy had to drive an hour and a half from the airport, but then had to get on a dirt road and drive for four hours back in the like yeah, wild desert highlands to get to this distillery <laughs> yeah that's where like most of the the plant is you know growing is like it's far from civilization which is kind of like working in its favor right now yeah interesting so fucking interesting it really is a fascinating spirit and fascinating little subcategory of all the delicious things of mexico for sure i think it's honestly to round up agave month like i think it's my favorite wow it's my favorite right now like so tall is actually like fucking delicious and 
my experience being around it earlier in the year really influenced that. Like it was it was something we use like we use the leaves for uh, to start a fire. Actually, drank some shitty Texan, albeit delicious Texan Sotol, which is the emerging market in the United States. Did you say States. shitty Texan and then delicious Texan? <laughs> which one was it? Well, I felt like it. Well, like the way that I tasted it, it was felt, like, forced on me, and it was just like a unique environment in Texas. So one of the things spreads, like, the wind. that I think is uh, that I really like about it, like you were talking about, Kenneth, you think it's maybe your favorite thing that we've talked about for agave month and extended. I think one of the things I love about it is it's not as it's like mezcal can be super intense and that's one of the reasons that like you you would drink it cuz you want something intense or you want something intense for a drink. It can still be delicious and intense. Tequila is a little bit more like straightforward, not as varied between different brands. So tall is like this whole other world where they're all very different from each other. And there's almost no, with it being this like raw spirit that doesn't typically get aged a ton, most of the Sotol that we've all tried together has not been aged much at all. And even the people who make it say one of the best ways to drink it is straight off the still, which you don't hear a lot, which I really, yeah. really admire and love that. Like, how's, how, do you, how are you supposed to drink this? Oh, straight off the still. It's like, all right, all right. But something about it the way it's made the plant that goes into it makes this like really clean flavor profile that can touch on all these different notes depending on where it was made but it's like kind of the most clean refined of all those spirits to me it's everything all right and the time has come along with our our cohort and partner in crime adam morgan it is time for News with Kenneth Deadman. Agave month has been extended. Booze news renewed for one more season. Kenneth, what do you got for us? Well, I have whiskey news. Intense of whiskey course. news, man. Oh, okay. uh, in the Faroe Islands, it's a part of uh, the Kingdom of Denmark. A crowdfunding has netted positive results for a new whiskey company called Far. Whiskey. Are you all familiar with the Faroe Islands? It's kind of nope. like in between the UK and uh, Iceland. Kind of like uh, less mountainous, very mossy. So, tell us about this. So, there's a subscription model for this. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Maybe? For a simple fee, the with the Founders Club at the Faroe Islands Distillery. LTD <laughs> costs about 200 euros. You get three bottles from the distillery per year. That includes uh, a gin that's infused with uh, seaweed from the island, a single malt, which sources malt like all the barley from Scotland, blah, 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 aged on the island. No one, no one really cares unless they actually like know about the Faroe Islands. I'll tell you what. But the climate is a lot like Scotland, albeit for the mountains. There's a lot more, like, salt in the air. Uh, it's a lot more humid than Scotland, if you can believe that. Most people, like, build their houses out of moss or, like, grass. They have grass roofs, which is what I'm trying to get to. The only reason that I got the, the whiskey story anyway was to um, segue into Charles Medley's 
birthday, 79th birthday. So happy birthday, Charles Medley of the Medley Distillery, 79 years old, out of Owensboro, Kentucky. He's a gem, a legend. He's a legend, and he has made most of our careers a little bit easier. In Gen News this week, Snoop Dogg releasing his own Gen brand called Indago. Indago? Indigo? No, Indago. Indago. Yeah, it's supposed to be spelled to make you think that it's indigo. Yeah. Okay, no, no, no. Not having it. I don't like that name at all. Indago? It's like dog. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel, I think he could have yeah, done better. That That's Snoop yeah. Dogg? Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's like, years you love my new gin. Well, I'm sure he'll sell to, to Diageo in like a couple of years. Yeah, how is he not I just... It's Constellation Brands, actually. I would have just doubled down on uh, on gin and juice, like canned. Canned gin and juice. Done. Yeah, that's, that's easy. Instead, they're doing Indago? Huh. Would you like an Indago martini? What? A martini with dog? No. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, yeah. Kenneth? Step outside your, uh, your, your objective booze news persona. <laughs> and tell us... saying, like, like, it's never gone well when you just start, like, hating the east coast mm. or hating the west coast if you don't have love for like snoop then things start falling apart man oh i mean i got love for snoop but i just don't know about the name of this gin i don't think i'd put dog in the name of He's gin dog. did yeah. you want to put snoop snoop in the name of the yes gin? yes i thought you were snoop lion snoop I lion guess. gin i'm buying okay yeah, that's good. How many times will you be buying the Snoop Lion? See, we could have done Liquid well, Gold promos right. for it. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll call Snoop up. Maybe we can get him up on the show and talk to, maybe if, talk about a new name for his gin. Let's do Luke Bryan. Uh-oh. Okay. Luke Bryan's beer company is putting the development of two-lane lager on hold because they all got infected with coronavirus. In his brewery in Virginia, the soon-to-be-released Tulane Lager and something or other seltzer has been put on hold by uh, Constellation Brands. They really can't wait to get back on the road and ship those cases out to y'all. No love for Luke Bryan, huh? No, none here. Sorry. He had that one song. Sing it to me. Drunken, drinking. Fishing, that's all you seem to do. Really? Wow. Messing around every guy in town. Putting me down. <laughs> Did you write that? Something new. Did you write that or is that a real Luke Bryan song? I think it's like a Luke Bryan song that I inserted into a Led Zeppelin song. Oh. He, he punched a dude one time. That was kind of interesting. I don't know if you ever heard about that story or saw the video. There was he was performing he was performing at Bridgestone and he's singing, having a good time, holding the mic. He's out towards the front of the stage and somebody was talking trash to him. Really, really kind of like pointing their finger and talking trash. And he's just kind of casually dancing around and singing, and then he just kind of walks by the dude and he just pops him. And then he goes right back to singing. It's crazy. There's video of it. Just check it out. Wow. Let's post it on uh Liquid Gold page. <laughs> yeah. The the liquid, the uh, Luke Bryant punch from the stage. That's a cocktail right there. Pretty That's fascinating. Cocktail, yeah. Yeah. Luke Bryant punch. 
Yeah, front row punch. That's good. Adam, you can use that. I'm running We'd prefer you to. What else you got for Booze News this week? Booze Newsington. Uh, I've been uh, waiting on a good, like, uh, vodka story. As of this afternoon, Nicolas Cage is going to voice uh, a vodka-drinking dragon that is in development for Amazon Prime Video. It's called High Fire. Nicolas Cage is going to play a wasted, aged dragon living in Louisiana amongst alligators. That's basically his role in the last, like, five movies. What's That's crazy. What's five movies that you've seen of him? Well, we can talk about that. Uh, Grand Isle, he plays uh, an alcoholic, like, veteran. Walks in this dude in his house and him and his wife, like, playing a game on him. It's out, it's out now. I think it came out, like, a year ago. He's <laughs> a fascinating guy. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to pin him down. Mike, are you there? Are you? <laughs> well, you know, um, what's crazy about that character, I happen to know because I saw the script beforehand, is um, vodka had nothing to do with the character until Nicolas Cage came on board. Oh, good one. And then it was like, <laughs> what if he shoots fire and, like, drinks a bunch of vodka? What do you guys think? They're like, I'm, uh, I'm does he have to? Yeah, yeah, kind of. If you want me in the movie, yeah. Yeah, he, that'd be dope because he'd be like uh, in the like uh, in the room with the producers, and he's like, "Yeah, the vodka has to be 120 proof. It has to sanitize. <laughs> <laughs> like, it has to sanitize and it has to burn. Good one, Mike. I'm glad I was there for you. And that's booze news. A star-studded, star-studded version of booze news today. Et. I, th- I think Booze News is going to make TMZ. E-T, TMZ, BZ. KD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With your host, KD. <laughs> but now, Adam, it's been great having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. He is Adam Morgan. He's the head bartender at Husk Nashville, making all kinds of crazy creative cocktails. This so tall drink with hibiscus and cucumber. That's right. I look forward to trying that one soon out in the garden with Kenneth. With some wings. Very soon. I have some hibiscus. Do you need some? How are you doing on hibiscus? I've got um, some. I gotta, I gotta drop it like soon. Do you want it? Yeah, bring it in, man. Do a little wings yeah. trade. Yeah. That's fair. Get Katie Cost the boss on it. Cost the boss. Shout Sound- out to Katie Cost. Sounds like you got about 12 wings worth. I'll take it. I'll take it. If I could you, negotiate on your behalf. You get four. <laughs> no, nah, but Adam, we really admire your uh, your great work ethic and uh, all the work you've done over there and kind of helping to steer the ship through the crisis. Yeah, yeah we're, we're proud of you, Adam. Well done. Get it done without you guys. All right. We love you, buddy. All right. Love you, too. K-Dog. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thanks so much to Adam Morgan of Husk Nashville. Go see him. They've got uh, new tables outside and on the porch that you can check out. So go visit, have those amazing wings, the amazing cheeseburger, as well as all the seasonal fare that they've always got, changing the menu a lot, all that good stuff. Those are all our homies over there. Kenneth, I'm sure we'll be back working there soon. Thanks to Kenneth for the just crazy celebrity-fueled booze news today. Uh, We will see you next time right here on Liquid Gold. We've got cider and coffee to cover, as well as the Cosmo, Slivovitz, hot drinks will be coming up. Also, pumpkin spice? No, persimmon spice. That's all to come right here on Liquid Gold. My name's Mike Wolf, your host, and we will see you next time.